Hi, I'm Jessica Lindbergh, and this is the HeartStrong Podcast, where we dive into all the messiness that life has to offer, the joyful, the difficult, and the beautiful. As a mom and woman who's faced tragedy, I want to share stories of hope, resilience, and purpose. Join us for a conversation about what truly makes us HeartStrong. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Tiana Spencer. Tiana is a teaching pastor at Made For Fellowship, an incredible preacher, a wife and a mother. She's a writer and such a beautifully insightful woman. It is a hard thing for a black person to feel like my gift is accepted, but my humanity is not. I can come and teach you and you can love and praise me, but then you can in the same breath deny my truth and deny my experience and blatantly call me a liar as far as people of color and how we're feeling. It's a hard line to walk. I found one of Tiana's recent posts on Instagram about sitting in pain with people of color, and her post really struck me. And so I reached out to her and asked her to be a guest here on the podcast. Racial inequity, systemic racism, and just loving one another better as humans are all things I've been thinking a lot about. And so I wanted to give these topics a voice here on the podcast. So I am thrilled to have you here today, Tiana. Thanks for being here and welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive into these topics and um, and just to sit with you today. So thank you. Yeah, I'm excited you're here too. So before we get started, I want to give our listeners just a little chance to get to know you. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, let's see. I am 37 years old. I do not mind telling my age because I (laughs) feel like you get hopefully wiser with age. I'm 37 years old. I have been doing, gosh, ministry for I mean, really, since I was 14, when I first got saved. So I jumped in and just started discipling and fell in love with the Word of God and really was finding ways to teach God's Word um, since I was 14 years old at high school and all that stuff. And so it's always been a passion of mine. I um, married um, my high school best friend. Um, and we, it's a whole long story. It wasn't all cute and lovey, but we made it in the end. And I'm in love with that man. We've been married now for 15 years and we have three girls, age 14, almost 12, and then we have a six-year-old. So yeah, we're, we're pretty busy. We're both in um, ministry, full-time ministry up at um, in the Los Angeles area at Fellowship Church. That's awesome. Well, I, you know, I met you on Instagram. That's where I found you um, yeah. about a post that you, that you shared uh, not that long ago, and it was about the Capitol insurrection. And I thought it was just so mm-hmm. poignant and timely. It, it just spoke to me. I even called my sister to talk about it with her because it was just mm-hmm. really it. beautiful. And yeah. you entitled it Empathy Versus Explanation. And I'm wondering if you can just share about that post and what just led you to write those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what actually led me to write the words were I... um I, I have a group of girlfriends and I'm the only, me and I have one other person of color that's in that group. And we have been meeting together for a year. We meet every other week virtually now because of COVID, but it's just a group that we get together. I didn't even know these ladies, but we have just bonded and we just um, talk about the things of the Lord and we go deeper in Jesus. And it's been an amazing um, uh, friendship that the Lord has brought in my life. But when all the racial unrest started happening um, in the, um, early parts of the pandemic with George Floyd and all that stuff, it, it started to help us, cause us to have different kinds of conversations we never had. Um, with, with them now having 
to people of color in their group, in their inner circle, it, it stuff came up. And so um, there was an incident, I remember, where something really good happened. It was actually the week that George Floyd was killed. Something really good happened in um, one of my girlfriend's lives. And and they got in the text thread and were just celebrating. And everybody was celebrating. And I was grieving mm. because of what I saw with George Floyd. I was I was angry. I was sad. I was frustrated. And not with them, but just with, with life and with what's happening. And my other person, a uh, fr- uh, female friend of color who's um, of Asian descent, she knew she was grieving too. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing... Um, all of our amazing Jesus loving white friends. There's like about five of them. They're just celebrating and celebrating. And there was, they did, it's like, they didn't know what was happening or, you know, and I think we got on the conversation about it and we said, cause I actually mentioned it in the text. I said, Hey, you guys you know, I'm so celebrating you guys. I'm also grieving today because yeah. of what's happening in our nation. And it, it started a conversation with us. So where the next time we got on our zoom call, um, we talked about timing. We said, listen, here's the deal. There's a timing for everything in the sense that um, I wanted to celebrate and, and it, everything was worth celebrating that day of my friend. But at the same time, there was a heavy grief that I felt like was not accounted for. And that's what happens when you don't do close life with people of color. You wouldn't understand how heavy that day was. So I gave the example, um, if I was newly pregnant, I just found out I was pregnant and I went to, I also found out the same day that my best friend had a miscarriage. Would I go to her that day and expect her to celebrate me? Probably not because timing is everything. I would sit in grief with my friend at that moment, knowing that she's dealing with something hard. Of course, that's, you know, we, we, we celebrate people who celebrate, we, we mourn with those who mourn. Of course, we, celebration would come. But in that moment, it's a timing thing of she's grieving. This is not the time for me to bring my celebration. And so I think it was a, uh, as I shared that with the ladies, they had no clue. Mm-hmm. They just, and I, I, these, I love these ladies death and they love the Lord, but they just didn't know. They said, this is an epiphany for me wow. because, if, you know, they didn't realize that people of color were grieving that day. And so it's hard to be in relation with someone who doesn't acknowledge that, but just um, unknowingly can ignore it and just celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was a it was a learning moment for all of us. Me saying, you know what? I can't get mad at my white brothers and sisters because they just may not know. Yeah, of course, as a person of color, I can go in my head and say, well, they should know. How could you not know? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that conversations don't happen that way, you know, and, and unity doesn't happen that way. And so I had to take a moment back and realize sometimes people are just not thinking about it. We have so much going on in life right now. So I figured as a, as a capital insurrection happened, I was going to bed. I, I obviously was very um, unsettled that day. And I was trying to figure out, Lord, what would you have me to say? As you have given me an influence, you've given me a voice. What would you have me to write um, in this time? And I prayed about it all night. And in the middle of the night, the Lord just gave me, reminded me of the conversation I had with my girlfriends. And mm-hmm. it was just like, a, Tiana, sometimes people just don't know. What if you just write and explain to them? hey, timing is everything. Instead of when a Black person is upset about what's happening, don't say, don't try to explain to them, well, you know, um, that's just the media. Oh, you're just buying into this. Don't just listen. 
just empathize, just be there in their pain. You know, you can justify all the things that happened at a capital, but instead of doing that, just say, hey, um, I can't imagine what it felt like to see a noose at the mm-hmm. Capitol. I can't imagine what it felt like to see the Confederate flag in the people's house. I'm sorry. And I just want to sit with you in that. I don't want to explain away your pain. I don't want to, I'm not going to ignore it and just go on with my life because I can, in my privilege can be separated from it because that's a real thing. And we all have different kinds of privilege, you know, like, uh, but, but in my privilege, in white privilege, I can be separated from that. I don't have to be as affected by that. Um, because it's not tied to your history. It doesn't, it doesn't rip open your ancestral wounds, of, of, you know, when you see that flag. And so I just wanted to, how do I in loves bring my white brothers and sisters to keep them at the table, not just turn them away with my anger and my frustration and y'all should have known. And you, should, you know, I, how do I keep them at the table and say, let me love you in this way. Let me just explain to you. This is what people of color are feeling today. And this is how you could come alongside of us without mm-hmm. explanation, lead with empathy and not explanation. Yeah, like just showing up and saying, you know, I was thinking about it after I read your post and I was talking to my sister. It's kind of like, you know, when somebody's hurt or when our kids get hurt and they hurt skin their knee or whatever, we don't go and see like, well, did you do this or did you do that? Or were you jumping? We just show up, you know, and I I loved that about because I think it's relatable for people. um, And it's it's so simple, you know, that invitation that you gave of just coming in. You don't need to understand. You just need yeah. to know. I mean, I want to tell you, like, I might start crying when I say this, but when I saw that Confederate flag, I mean, I just started crying because yeah. that is just not what we stand for and, and not yeah. what I stand for, you know. I mean, yeah. it choked me up to, to, mm. to even picture it because it's like all the people who – who 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 said no more of that you know it's yeah, like yeah. that is not who we are as a people and i just want to say that to you because i mean it just it broke my heart it broke my heart and so i just also want to say that you are so gracious in your words and your invitation i think that um that is what it's going to take right to have these conversations and to to bridge these these differences yeah it, it is and I, and i feel like it's it's hard because I, I never want to judge um, the pain of other people of color because some people of color cannot, they, they, it's so deep and the pain yeah. is so deep, it's lasted so long that they don't have it in them to explain. Yeah. And, and, I, and I understand that. And there's some days where even with my, my white friends, um, where I just, I don't have it in me. To explain, like, I don't have it in me to justify this today. I don't have it in me to tell you, to justify my feelings or why this is hurt or, you know, I don't, I don't have it in me to do that. And so there, there's, there's a lot of um, people of color who just are just so tired. tired. And so I sit with that and I say, I understand that God would you give me the grace to stay in this space mm. to be able to feel my feelings. I mean, cause I was angry the day of the Capitol. Listen, I wasn't, I, I was, I was angry and then I was in tears and then mm-hmm. I just get angry again. And my mm-hmm. husband came in the room and I just be going off on him. He's like, well, babe, it's, it's just, you know, he would try to come cause I just get so excited about it. And I'm just like, gosh, but as the night went on, I'm like, Lord, give me, a, give me a grace because yeah. I know my anger is not going to do anything in this moment. Um, and, 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 Yet I don't take away from people because everyone's on their own feeling journey. But I'm like, how do I exist in this space? How do I still love in this space? How, how do I heal? How do I contribute to the conversation in a way that doesn't 
turn people away, but keeps mm -hmm. them, as my pastor says at the time, keeps them at the table so we can have these healing conversations. So, and I did not know that post would go, I mean, that post went crazy. And I, I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, what? Because in my mind, Jessica, it seems so simple. I honestly posted it and went on about my day. Like I, I, I was thinking for just, you know, I didn't have that many followers. I was like, this will hopefully help some people in my, my small circle. I had mm. no idea that it was going to be that helpful. Part of me still is just like, gosh, what made that um, get so well received? But people were so gracious. And, 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 you know, I had a couple of trolls, but for the most part, I, literally I had maybe three or four. God protected that whole thing. And it was just mm -hmm. a gracious inter interactions with people. Um, the whole, you know, few days of that post was kind mm -hmm. of going crazy. You know, one of the things that resonated with me about that post is my oldest son, he died when he was seven. He was born with a with a heart defect and he he died. And I remember being a newly grieving mother and people, you know, I had a neighbor sit in my kitchen after I came home a few days after the came home from the hospital and she said, "Well, at least you have other kids." You know, oh, no. and I think wow. she was trying to be comforting yeah. to me, but it was so hurtful. And you know, I I just just living that life that I do, I am sensitive to those types of things. And so sometimes when when people just move on with their life or there's not an acknowledgement, I mean, it's hurtful. You know, and mm -hmm. like you said, it's like sometimes I have to say, Hey, have you ever thought about it this way? Have you ever, have you ever, yeah. um, you know? And so that I, I could relate to like that from my life. And I was like that grace mm -hmm. that you extended to, to a simple awareness, I think is something that's relatable to a lot of topics in life, especially mm -hmm. obviously the topic of race, but I just, I don't know. I think that it was just simple and, and yeah. people resonated with it. So I, I love that. Yeah. So you mentioned um, George Floyd before and it, you know, and I wanted to ask you about this because it seems, you know, like people all of a sudden were sensitive to racism, you know, after his, yeah. he was killed and cultural differences. And, you know, I was talking with my sister about this. I have a sister who um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and she runs a guidance program at a pretty much, all, I'd say all black high school. There's a few white students that go there, but she has worked there for years and she loves those students and their families. And she's white. I mean, we're, you know, and, she, but she is, mm -hmm. that is her, she, she's, she does life with them, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said to me that she was upset because she's like, I'm so upset that all of a sudden people are posting things and companies yeah. are creating, you know, these, um, these programs. And she's like, and I have been in this for years and I have watched my students be profiled and I have watched the impact of racism on them. And, and, and she's like, and I just, I have a hard time believing that this is lasting, like that people mm -hmm. really do mm -hmm. care. Have mm -hmm. you felt that way? And, and kind of what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah. The, 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 the easiest thing to do is just give up hope yeah. in, this situ in this whole, it's just, you have to fight to um, remember <laughs> that God is bigger and mm -hmm. that um, reconciliation is not a lost cause. Racial reconciliation is not a lost cause. Um, I, I, I think with George Floyd, um, yeah, it was, it was like picking up, you know, steam. The movement was picking up steam and obviously not without its um, negative people were, didn't like it as well. But I think for the most part, it was, I was shocked to see how much of, you know, even now I turn on my Netflix and I have 
a, a theme of, you know, movies that celebrate black culture or, mm-hmm. you know, or Amazon Prime, they have a whole category now and, and, and it's, but you don't know how much of that is, you know, because you, you have to, you're going to lose customers if you don't, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's so many negatives to it. So I feel like I can, I can down certain things about it all the time, but part of me is just like, Hey, you know, the awareness is coming. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's little, it's we just got to chip away at it a little bit at a time. So it's yeah. like if yeah. it's moving us a little bit closer, it's gonna take a long time and a lot of, a lot more, especially of the church, to come mm-hmm. around this cause for healing to actually happen. But I just feel like um, my, one of my white friends, you know, because I wondered too, what was it about George Floyd? Mm-hmm. And she said to me, for her, what it was was seeing how. Black people were just like, oh, this is just another one. Hmm. This is just another day. Like seeing how, because she said that she said as a white woman, she couldn't believe the video. Yeah. But she would talk to black people who were just like, oh, now you believe this. Hmm. Like this has been happening. So I think for her, it was seeing our almost like apathy to like, you know, this is just norm to us that woke her up like, whoa. And I think, um, to me. So I feel like, you know, I don't know if that's what it was. I don't know if we were all home and, our, you know, because of the pandemic that's and we true. all were we seeing all it. it. Yeah, yeah. We couldn't just walk away from it. Um, also, it was one of those things that was just undeniable. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. And so I think it was like a, a wake up call, but I don't know. Jessica, it, it, you, I, I got to say prayed up and, you know, off the news of it, because it does feel, especially with the, with the, the dialogue in the church mm-hmm. and how they are. So um, they don't want to believe this stuff. A lot of the church, it's, um, it's hard to keep hope. It is, it really is hard to keep hope. So I think I, I wrestle back and forth, but just like, Lord, I know, I know this is possible in you. So I just gotta, mm-hmm. you know, stay that way. Yeah. And look for the people who do believe, right? Right. right. And right. Are it's one conversation to... at a time. Yeah. It's yeah. one conversation yeah. at a time. One, one, one post at a time, one writing. Cause I just feel like it, it's, it's, it's just moving a little bit, a little, little bit closer to people just listening Yeah, and people just, you know, coming to the table and just listening and just hearing. And like I said, in the post, a lot of what black people feel is, is a lot of uh, people will, make it seem like we don't know our own feelings. We'll have to justify our own pain. Mm. And like, you know, when you, this you're just buying into this, like we're idiots. Like we don't know, like this, we're not buying into anything. We live this. We live I can it. tell you story after story of racial discrimination that has happened in and around me. And my, I mean, it is, it's undeniable when you are a person of color. Yeah. But it's easily dismissible when you're not. Yeah, that is such a good point. And and then that goes back to your whole idea of just listening, you know, not yeah. rushing to judgment or, right. yeah, just listening. Just you listening. you um, posted, actually it was last night, it was on your Instagram uh, feed, it was one of your sermons about labels, you know, mm-hmm. and how we have these labels that we're throwing around in the church and even in our society and on our social media posts and how that you know, we're all made in the image of God. And if we believe that, how then would we act? Can you share about that post? I thought it was masterful and very needed right now. Yeah. You know, I have been so grieved by the church this year, all of 2020. I can't tell you how many times I, on my knees, crying, Mm -hmm. praying, um, 
grieved. I, I, I am one of those people that goes into the comment section. Lord, I shouldn't, but I, <laughs> I do. Because um, it, it helps me see what people are thinking, what yeah. they're saying. And, and I think I, I, I have just been in disbelief of the amount of name calling and arguing that is happening between Christians on Facebook posts, on Instagram posts. Um, I, I just, it's been unbelievable. And it's just, now we're, you're no longer my brother in Christ. You're just a social justice warrior. You're a yeah. liberal. You're one of those, you're just not woke. You're not, you, we, it's on both sides. We're just it labeling is. each other and it, and everyone is just frustrated and everyone is going off on each other. And there, there is just no way that, and, and the, 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 the worst part is that the world is watching us. We, right. They're watching us tear ourselves, the tear the church apart. We are doing it ourselves. I said in that post, we we have literally become our own weapon of mass destruction mm-hmm. because we are going at each other in the comments, and it's it's starting with these labels. And I and I feel like as I was that was a sermon I preached I think right after the election in November, and I and I talked about the church throughout that sermon. It was actually a, a prayer for the church. I was preaching through Paul's prayer for the church um, of Ephesians, I believe. And I was praying it over the church as I talked to them about this issue. And that specific point was about the fact that we've, we've forgotten that we are each made in God's image, that we are each carriers of God's glory. If you are, you know, a, a believer in Christ, you, we all house the Holy spirit. We, 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 we're not seeing each other though, as image bearers of God anymore. Now we're seeing each other as liberals or social justice warriors, or what they call snowflake. I don't even know what a snowflake is, but all this <laughs> stuff, it's just like that. We're just labeling each other. And all labels do, I said in there, the problem with doing that is labels don't get loved, labels get used. And we, we're using these labels to turn each other against each other, and we are destroying ourselves. Instead of saying, you know what? I was thinking about this last night. That man in the Capitol, that, that man that had that Confederate flag or, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever, I don't even, he's, he's still made in God's image. We're all made in God's image. I think about, I think, what if we, in the conversations, before we upset anything, we sat and we just thought, this person is made in God's image. They are a carrier of God's glory. Mm-hmm. God, let me feel your heart towards this person before I engage with them, before I engage my feelings towards this person or towards what they've said. Let me feel your heart towards this person and then engage what what would our conversations be like how would how would we move towards healing instead of us just labeling each other and walking away because that's what we're doing right now we're labeling each other and we're walking away and that's not getting us anywhere clearly i mean i think that no, that's not getting us anywhere and i that i think i just feel like even you know, through the election, it just, everything has felt so different than it ever has before in that, in those terms of people just being so divided and so angry and the narratives that, you know, sprout up, it just become the gospel truth, you know, on both sides. And it's just, it's like, what is it going to take for us to, I mean, I think it's conversations like this personally, I think it's getting curious about one another, but you know, what else what what do you think about when you think of this stuff? Like, what are you? What do you think we should be asking people to do? Um, and then, like, what is? What do you think God is doing in all this? You're, you know, you're. What? Where are we going with this? Yeah, I, I think calling labeling and calling somebody whatever in the comment section is not going to help anything. 
Like what's going to, what's going to help the only way it's going to help is really going back to what I talked about before. It's empathetic conversations. It's sitting and listening to each other. I can understand as a, as a believer, I can understand why some people voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. I see the abortion issue. I see all this stuff, whether I can argue, I can, now listen, I can also argue certain points for both sides. I can argue because, because we don't, as believers, we don't belong in any, in any political, there's no political spectrum that lines up with all of our beliefs. So right. I can hear arguments for both sides. Um, and, 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 and so I can sit as a believer and say, I, I can see why you voted for Trump. I can see why abortion is such an issue. Um, and I can sit and hear that. But can you sit and hear how the last four years have affected people of color? Mm -hmm. Can you sit and hear what it feels like to, to, for you to say the unborn life is more important than the black life? What, how it could feel like that? Can we just sit, even if you're not saying that, can you just sit in here? This is how it could feel. Let's mm -hmm. talk about this. Let's say, you know, I feel like these are the conversations we need to be having. It's like, because they would say, of course, I know my, I know I have plenty of white friends who voted for Trump and will say, there's no way I think is more important. I, I know you love me, but I, I just need to understand this is how the other side feels. Mm -hmm. If we could understand that, which is empathy. So we're not just saying you hate black people because you voted for Trump or you, you know, or you're a baby killer because you voted for Biden. There, yeah. There's just these extreme issues that we're, that we're, that we're dealing with. And it's like, there's so many, and I've heard good arguments for both sides. Of I've heard, you know, you can hear the argument. There's less abortions under democratic presidents mm -hmm. or there's, there's, there's mm -hmm. these arguments for both sides. So it's like, before we even get into any of that, how do we just sit and just hear each other, mm -hmm. just hear each other. And I can, so I can sit with my, one of the hardest things for me to do, I remember, uh, you know what? I don't even remember which black man it was that was killed, but a couple, few years ago, and this, this is what's sad though. I can't even remember the hashtag, but there was, there was a black man that was killed and it was a big thing. And I don't remember which one it was, but, um, I remember I go to a multi-ethnic church, but there was a lot of white people, a mm -hmm. lot of white people. And I remember thinking I had, a, I, and there was a lot of divide. And I remember thinking I have to go into church on Sunday and stand with my white brothers and sisters. When as a black woman, honestly, because there's, there's a part of me that just did, I wanted to be with my black people. There's, there's parts of it. And we're on, I'm just going to be really honest here. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of times where it's easier for me. It would be easier for me to be a part of an all black church than to be a part of a multi-ethnic church because my, my, my culture, they, they understand me. We all grieve together. We all feel together. But I also know this is not what God has called me to be, to just be, only with my my black people because I feel like that just doesn't help our unity at all. So I go into this space and my pastor knows what's happening and he addresses it from the platform. But I remember there's a moment where we had to all hold hands and I just tears came down my face because I'm holding hands with people who I, you know, voted for Trump. I'm mm -hmm. holding hands with people who um, some black people wouldn't go near in this season. I'm holding hands and there's this feeling of just like, we got to still do this. Yeah. We have to still do this. We have to still show up. I have to still keep coming into this space and keep having these conversations. I've had, I've had my white brothers and sisters who have just been offended by, you know, how I felt about certain things. And I've had to have those hard conversations. And so I think we only get healing through the hard conversations. Yeah. I just, and we have to sit and listen and repent and apologize to each other and then help each other grow. Yeah.
and it's a lot of work, you know, oh, yeah. just listening to you, you know, yeah. just listening to you say how you felt going to church that day. I mean, I can only imagine the exhaustion or the emotional effort it took for you to do that, you know, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and showing up and your willingness to show up in that space, I think is absolutely beautiful. And that's what we need to do. I mean, it's such a challenge yeah. to all of us. Oh my gosh, Jessica, it is so hard because as a speaker, pre-COVID, I speak, I have never, let me tell you, I've never spoke in a black church. As oh, a speaker, wow. I, I travel and I speak and I do conferences, I do retreats, always in white spaces. Hmm. That's just how the Lord has, because uh, of where I started, that's just how I've, you know, and obviously a, a lot of these um, conferences are run by um, not non-people of color. So I'm, I'm in um, these white spaces and I'm, I'm teaching, I'm teaching. Now you understand the feeling of, I love teaching the word of God and I'll teach it anywhere. And I love my white brothers and sisters, black brothers, Latino, whatever. But when I come back and I get an influx of Facebook friend requests because of where I travel to. Mm-hmm. And so I get these messages. I loved your sermon. I loved you. You have such a gift. You are such a gifted teacher. Please come back. This is that. I accept this friend request. And that same person is talking so much hate about Black Lives Matter, talking so much hate about George Floyd, talking, and it's like, there's this moment, it has caught me off guard multiple times where I accept this friend request, I accept her her praise and her blessing, and I'm like, yes, this is my sister in Christ. And then I get hit in my feed now Mm -hmm. because we're friends with all this stuff. And it's like, it it is a hard thing for a Black person to feel like my gift is accepted but my, my humanity is not my, my, I can come and teach you and you can love and praise me, but then you can, in the same breath, deny my truth and deny my experience and blatantly call me a liar. As far as people of color and how we're feeling, there is a, there's a hard, it's a hard line to walk, but I'm like, Lord, this is where you, you still, I go where you call me. And I, I'm not, I'm not unfriending all these people and I'm not, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, it yeah. is a hard it's a hard line to walk because most of my Facebook anyway, I don't even know. There's just from people from conferences and stuff like that. I don't know. So I have a Facebook feed that's full of a lot of stuff. Wow. Um, and it's hard, but it's hard. I know in the same breath, they'll say you are so gifted and I love you. But it's like, yeah, but man, it is hard to be accepted for your gift and have your humanity denied. Denied. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'll take what you're giving, yeah. but I'm not going to stand up for you. You know, that's. Yeah. But I think people don't realize, they don't realize they don't realize what that does to a person's soul. Mm-hmm. They don't realize what that does. And so I, I can't even get, you know, I don't stay angry because I realize you, you just have no clue. And you know, we, we don't know each other. You know, you just, I'm just a person on a platform and that, that bless you with, with the word of God, but we don't know each other. So, but I feel like that's the problem is we don't have, we're not doing circle life with people of different colors. So we can know each other. Yeah. So you would say like proximity matters. Proximity. Oh gosh, people, yeah. 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 Even though it's hard, it matters. It, yeah. it matters. My girls that I meet with, um, I'm grateful that we met all through 2020. Mm-hmm. I needed to, because as a black woman, it, it's easy for me just to turn away from white people sometimes. I needed to be forced to come and sit with these loving white people every two weeks and, and see the Jesus in them and mm-hmm. love them and have conversations and realize we are more than what the world and the news is making us out to be. They were a saving grace for me to still come to that space. And it was a discipline for me to still come to that space with all the racial unrest that happened in 2020. 
if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. And I think, you know, speaking for myself and other people that I know, I think more of us want that in our life. You know, we want to be in those spaces because I, they are so important. I mean, my, my 12 year old son, his best friend is, his dad was born in Africa, you know? And, um, I love that he has had that experience because, you know, his friends at our house or he's there and, it is shift. It, I mean, we talk. He talks so openly about his friend and how, you know, just his color doesn't matter to him. He loves him so much, and why do people treat each other like that? And it's just he's taught me so much, you know, by his mm. by his relationship that he has. And you're right, you know, getting doing life with other people, like really does rubs off on us, you know, in the most important ways. Oh and yeah, that's a really it does. yeah. I think it does. And I think you have to realize too, I was telling my my group of friends, the girlfriends that I meet with, that um I don't have any spaces in my life in which I'm the majority. Hmm. I used to go to all black church growing up. Um, but the only where I'm the majority, I am the minority in every space I walk into. And I and my my white friends were just like, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Because they, they have no concept of that. But I'm like, yeah. it, it is it is always a thing. I, I'm never the majority unless I'm hanging out with my, my with, with some of my black friends. Mm-hmm. Every space I'm in, it's a minority. And it just it's just um, you know, people try not they don't want to see color. We do have to see color. We have yes, to see we do. color. It's yeah. important for us. I need you to see me as as a black woman who I mean, you see me as your sister in Christ, but God has created me as a black woman. And that comes with cultural experiences, that comes mm-hmm. with pain, that comes with, you know, same thing with my Latino brothers and sisters, with my with my Chinese brothers and sisters. It comes with a lot and it comes with you understanding me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I think it, 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 part of not seeing color is why it's it's easier for me just to stick with my own color. Because it's like it, I'm understood there. There doesn't have to be exp- but it takes more work to explain. But I think there's a beauty about um you know, letting people in on who you are and all of who you are, mm-hmm. um, because my blackness is a is a beautiful, important part of me. I love being black. I mm-hmm. just love it. But I think you know, and it's not come with, uh, it's come with hard stuff. But I love being black. I wouldn't trade my culture for anything. And it's important to me that my my friends, I'm able to bring all of me to a space. Absolutely. And to acknowledge like that is the beautiful way that God created you, you know, and just like everyone else. And yeah, and celebrating that. I love the way that you characterize that. That's that's really beautiful. So, you know, many people I think are feeling somewhat hopeful after Wednesday's inauguration or maybe like we're turning the page or there's some hope, you know, like I'm just wondering how how you feel. I mean, there's a lot of divide like we've talked about and there's a lot of heavy lifting still to do. Do you feel hopeful? Um <laughs> Let me see. This is you know, all you listeners, I I I um, I I it is it is hard to speak on anything nowadays because you know sure. I, it's just like this is this is let me tell you the honest truth because I'm just an honest person. Um, I have a lot of theological differences, obviously, with every president mm-hmm. and every administration. Um, I thought Trump was going to win again. I was prepared Trump was going to win again. I was praying the night before uh, the election results. God, um, you know. We're we're gonna we're gonna be okay if it happens to get whatever, um, but and I thought I was fine with that. 
I laid in bed. I remember I was watching the election results. And when Biden popped up on the screen, tears just came from my eyes. Like I did not even expect it. It was like a deep breath. Now, I'm not even thinking about his administration policies. There was just a like, I don't have to hear the rhetoric anymore. I don't, you know, I don't have to hear, I don't have to turn on the press conference and hear him referring to Africa as s-hole countries, and I don't have to like, I don't have to, I don't have to hear, you know, the the China, I don't have to hear all this stuff anymore. It was a relief that I did not expect, Jessica, Mm. like at all. I was Mm. shocked by it because I think I didn't realize I'd been holding my breath for four years, Mm. and it was like a. And Trump's done good stuff in office. I'm sure he has. But it was the character that I was like, I couldn't even have my kids watch the debate. Mm-hmm. And actually, I did have my oldest one watch it for a little while because I want you to see this is not, we don't do, we can't do this. We don't we can't do treat each like other. Like, no. We can't treat each other like this. But it was like an SNL skit. My kid was like, <laughs> is this real? I'm like, this, this, they don't even need to do an SNL skit after that debate. But I think there was a part of me that was just like, okay, that part is done. After the inauguration, there was a part of me that was just like, that part is done. We have a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. but we do not have a leader in office who is, the Capitol was just the, the icing on the cake. What happened yeah. at the insurrection? It was just, it was just, it was scary. And I do not, please hear me listeners. I do not lump the extremists at the capitalists with all people who voted for Trump and not in any way. There are non-extremist believers who just voted for Trump on mm-hmm. policy. Um, and what we saw at the Capitol, I do believe, was extremist behavior. But there is a merge of what the church has been doing lately that is that has been scary, merging um, nationalism with Christian. It, it's been mm-hmm. Christian, it's been scary. So there was a there was a, a mixed feelings. Um, so after the inauguration, am I hopeful policies, all that stuff? No, I think I think the Christians are so worried about losing their rights. And I just feel like biblically, why do we think we're going to hold on to all of our rights? This is an American Christian ideal that I don't know why we we think that we deserve privilege. Hmm. Jesus didn't even tell us that. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But we are saying they can't take away our religious rights. And I'm like, what? Well, why are you expecting of this world, something of this world that Jesus said it was never going to give you? It was not going to give you consistent comfort. So, so I think the idea of Biden coming in, and obviously there's religious freedoms that are going to be, you know, tested. There's all that stuff. But this is what mm-hmm. I think. I think it's a time for the church to start being the church. Mm-hmm. When we start losing, I think it's a time. And I'm not talking about. I don't. I'm not. I'm not for these super spreader events and thinking that's persecution. I, I'm not for that. Um, people that are that I, I think that's dangerous. And when I hear about the healthcare, I think we're loving our neighbor by not being harsh. right. Right now. Yeah. But I think there's going to come a time where, yes, we're going to have to make a decision to stand for Christ when we are really being persecuted. And there's a time where a vote's not going to take that away. Yeah. It, like we're, persecution is coming for the church. And so if you're if your world is over because you're losing your religious rights, welcome to the scriptures hmm. like, that that's going to happen. And so what do we do? We just how do we what does it look like for us to 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 um, still love our neighbor, to get in the word, to prepare, to be able to to still live a life for Jesus, regardless of what policies Biden puts in place. I'm just like, this ain't the time for the believers to give up now that Biden's won. This is the time for us to suit up. 
This is mm-hmm. a time for us to get ready for whatever God is going to bring our way. This is a time for the church to actually start being the church. And so I'm not hopeful for his policies. I don't know what the man's going to do. I am hopeful. The, the unity that I saw at the, at the inauguration was beautiful. It was. The, the, um, the, the, the many races that I saw at the inauguration was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was so just seeing I don't, just seeing some type of unity after what we saw two weeks ago, and that should have blessed everybody's heart. Honestly, I was like, right. people aren't fighting. People are, you know, people are all different political spectrums are sitting next to each other. They're shaking each other's hands. They're smiling at each other. You know what I'm saying? Seeing Pence come out was beautiful to me. I was just like, okay. So mm-hmm. I just feel like this is a step towards what what felt normal before four before the last four years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a step yeah. towards going back to like, though we have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And I think that's a really important posture to take. You know, I, I've I've heard some people just think, you know, well, we've made it. We're gonna throw in the towel, everything's gonna be fine, or 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 the, it's the beginning of the end, you know, whatever side you're on. It's like, yeah, wait yeah. a second, no, 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 no. Yeah. This is we this is a time to be more engaged than ever. You know, this is a time to, and so I think that that is, I love your honesty there because I'm right with you. I feel. I feel like if you think Biden's going to up the abortion rate or whatever, all right, church, let's go, let's go and let's start ministering to these, to these uh, young women who are getting pregnant mm-hmm. out of their block. Let's go love on them. Let's go yeah. be the church. Show up. You know what I'm like if you're worried about, you know, you not being able to you know, do whatever. Okay. Well, let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. Whatever laws they, but let's go put, let's go do just because even if, even if, which, you know, whatever happens with the abortions or something, I didn't, I haven't watched news today, but I heard something happen. So that don't have anything to do with what we can do as a church with loving people where they are loving these young women who are feeling like they have to make this choice or they want to make this choice. How do we go and spread the love of Jesus? Regardless of what policies get in place, church, mm-hmm. let's be the church. Let's mm-hmm. be the church. Yeah, it's an opportunity, really. It yeah, it really is. So I wanted to ask you about you a little bit because I think that you're such a amazing, lovely woman, and I appreciate your honesty in this conversation so much. And you've suffered personally from lupus for many years. And I heard you talk about that journey a little bit in one of the sermons that I watched. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about that journey. I mean, I I know it's you know formed and fashioned you in a way that allows you to do this other work that you do and have the perspectives that you have. Can you share a little bit about that journey with us? Yeah. Um, I got diagnosed when I was 19. So it, it was, it was very sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I, I literally had like a lump in my throat, like felt really sore on a Monday by Friday. I could barely walk with the pain. It just spread through my body. And so it took uh, about six months to get diagnosed. Um, long story there, but, um, lupus has been, um, well, for those of you who don't know what lupus is, let me explain. Lupus is an autoimmune disease, um, um, disease. So where my my immune system can't tell the difference between a good cell and a bad cell. So what it does is it attacks um, my good cells. My my own immune system attacks my joints and my muscles. And it's attacked over the years my kidneys. It's attacked my heart. Um, a few years ago, it attacked my brain. Last year, it attacked my, my nervous system. And I 
my, my peripheral nervous system and I lost feeling from my knees down. So it just, um, it attacks what it feels like attacking. So over the years, I think, uh, when I think about lupus, um, oddly, it has brought me closer to Jesus than anything else in my life. Right? Um, it is, I've been able to experience God in a way that some people only read about in scriptures, whether it's just feeling his healing in the moment in a certain part of my body or just his, 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 his tangible presence in a hospital room with me. Um, I've, I've learned, I've had moments. I'm telling you, last year was probably the worst flare of my life. And it was, I had moments where I was just screaming at the Lord and frustrated and just tired, just tired of being sick for so long. Um, but gosh, he's used it so much. He's used it so much. Um, though I pray for healing, my kids pray for healing. The conversations I'm able to have with my kids as to why God hasn't brought it, what God's done in the meantime, to be able to see their eyes light up when I talk about God and how he's shown up in, in, in this sickness. I'm able to teach my kids that God is God in the valley as well as in the mountaintops. And I think I'm having those conversations where they see mom in pain every once in a while. They, they know I, I, you know I can't get up or I have to go to the hospital. And they, they've walked through that with me um, for all these years. And I think it's just opened up so many beautiful conversations with them that I know obviously we'll be having um, until the Lord heals. But I think there's been um, just hard, hard days. And then there's been just beautiful moments with lupus and suffering in general. So I love to speak to that in other people. I love to um, sit with people in suffering and hear and not rush them to a place of gratitude or whatever. I just like to um, be able to show people that God is still good. Mm -hmm. Even when we don't understand, even when we're frustrated, I'm going to be really real with you and talk about the times where I've shook in my fist of the Lord, then I'm going to show you the times where he's come through, the times where he's given grace, the times where he's shown me a different vantage point, and the fact that I'm still standing, um, that the, what the enemy meant for evil, God has still used for my good. He's still used for my good. And I have story after story. If you watch my sermons, I, I talk, you know, you'll hear Lupus stories throughout them. Um but I feel like there's just story after story where God has just shown himself or shown me something true about myself that's, that's, that's still ushered me towards healing. And so, um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I echo so much of what you've said and I want to ask you about this because um, I heard you say this yesterday as I'm watching your sermon on my computer and I feverishly wrote it down. So you said that the redemption of our story does not always equal deliverance mm. and that our story can be redeemed, but our circumstances may not change. I want to yeah. say that again for people who are listening, that our story can be redeemed, but our circumstances may not change. Yeah. And as a culture, even as a church, as people that believe in God, I think we're so obsessed with the miracle. Like we're so obsessed right. with praying for the miracle, believing for the miracle, hoping for the miracle, that right. that becomes our litmus test, that God right. is not present unless we receive the miracle. And, you know, I lived with my son the last 13 months of his life in an ICU and I prayed for him to be healed and countless people did. And, you know, you, you, and he didn't, he, he didn't live. And, 
that whole idea, I mean, has been a journey of mine Mm -hmm. because I had to reshift everything that I believed to be true about God and what and and about God loving me, you know, yeah. as a, as a person, yeah. and yeah. I think if we could alter this litmus test that we have for God, that if you even if you don't get the miracle, there is beautiful redemption yeah. available for you. Can you just talk about that? Because I think this is something that I mean, I could talk to you about that for an hour because I think yeah. that's such an I'm important girl. topic. I'm girl. Yeah, yeah, it is so true. Um, we hype up the miracle a lot uh, yeah. and obviously they're blessings, but man, um, he's a God that is just as much God in the mess as he is in the miracle. Mm-hmm. God, he's so good. And I say that um, with tears in my eyes, just cause he, I, I, I just believe it. Mm-hmm. I've seen him be so good. What he's done in my life through lupus. Yeah. You could say, sure. He could have done it. Couldn't he have done it some other way, but my God, what he's done through it. I um I don't know if I'd change it. There's just I I it's been it has been um I think when I talked about that in that message, I remember that message it was a message about beauty for ashes and I mm-hmm. and I talked about um just how I feel like we we what that does, we want the miracle, it just sets us up to be angry at the Lord. Yeah. It sets us up to walk away from the faith. Um, as if scriptures promised us that everything in life would go perfectly. And it's, it's, it's um, what we know is that pain happens down here. And every time something happens down here, I, I realize it, there, I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a chance to change your perspective and create a longing in you for your true home. Whenever when there's a loss down here, it's like, oh, this is, it's a reminder. This is, this is, I'm going somewhere else. It's like, it's making this place a little less comfortable. It's making this place a little, you know, when I get sick with a disease, I'm like, I, I, not that I want to suicide, but I'm like, I can't wait for my glorified body. When I'm sitting in pain, it's like, I can't wait. It's like, God is, don't get comfortable here. Because being comfortable down here is where we get into trouble. It's where it's where we it's where we get in trouble with God. It's where we get in trouble with sin. It's where we get in trouble where we lose perspective that we are just passing through. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I was having a bad flare and I could not move, and there was this moment where I was crying like, "There's coming a day where I won't feel this anymore. A day where I will have a glorified body where lupus will bow to the name of Jesus." And so I think there's this there's this. When things happen, we get frustrated because we we want utopia, but God is telling us utopia is to come. It's not here. And every time frustrations happen, it's like this this moment to look up, to look up at him and to look up to give new perspective, to remind yourself better is coming. Don't try to expect it from here. Don't try to force it down here because all you're going to do is frustrate yourself because we were not created to exist, to stay, to be content in this space, you know? And so I feel yeah. like there's a, there's a longing that comes from suffering yeah. and it's God saying, point, look at me, yeah. look at me, come to me. I'm here. And one day all of this will be over, but look at me, you know? And so there's a, there's a part of it. That's a grace. Yes, there is grace that we don't don't want to embrace because we want the miracle, and we want to. I don't. I listen, look, Jesse. I don't want to be down here forever. 
Like, I mean, maybe because I've lived a life of suffering. I'm like, if there's something better, Lord, take me to it when it's time. You know, I'm going to do what I got to do while I'm down here. But people are, they want to be here forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm, no, when you've lived a life like Jessica, like you have, like I have, when you've experienced suffering, you just realize this ain't my home. God's created me for more than this. Yeah. And one day I'm going, I'm going, like they said, the least in the black church, they say, I'm going up a yonder. Mm-hmm. To be with my Lord. One day I'm going up beyond to be my Lord. So I just feel like there is a grace in suffering that a lot of people miss out on because they want the miracle. Yeah. And I was one of my guests on my podcast. She said to me, she's like, how many people do you know that have grown exponentially in their life and created the most beautiful things because they've been successful all the time and everything's gone well? You know, there yeah. are gifts that come. Yeah. There are awarenesses. There are There is such beauty that comes from embracing, you know, surrendering to our story, even when it's not, we're not delivered from it. And I think it really enables us to do the work that we're here to do for the time that we have, right? To do what we're here to do. That's beautiful. And if I can say real quick, I know in that message I talked about what brought me to that point was, um, I was in this season of suffering where it was just, I mean, it's one, things were happening back to back in my life, just over and for a period of like six months. It was, it was crazy. And I was tired and I went to bed one night and I was in the, in, the, in that season, I was writing devotionals for my worship ministry at my church. I went to bed that night and I, and I, um, I laid in bed and I said, Lord, I just need you to say, peace be still. I need, I need you to stop the waves. I need you to stop the wind. I need you to say, peace be still. And I went to bed crying that night. And then I said, I'm going to write about that in the morning. I'm going to write about how the Lord can calm the waves and calm the storm. And so I go the next day to write the devotional. And as I'm writing, um, I'm reading the story and I, and I reread the story and the Lord showed me something I just had not seen before. As, I, as Jesus is in the boat and, and the winds and waves are going crazy and, and Jesus, the Bible says he was asleep and, 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 and the brother even had a pillow. I mean, he was out. He, he was asleep. And, and one version, one, one of the gospels says that. So he was asleep with a pillow. He's just chilling. And the, 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 the disciples are going crazy. And they're, they go to him. And they say, Lord, wake up, wake up, wake up, save us. And Jesus says to them, well, why do you have such little faith? And as I read that, I thought, Lord, well, why would you say that to them? They're, 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 they were actually in danger of perishing. Everything was going crazy. And, and, and why would you say that to them? And then I asked the question, I said, Lord, what would have shown you great faith in that moment? What would have showed you great faith in that moment? As I was praying to the Lord, I asked that. Because what I realized is the disciples did what we all do in our moments of suffering. We try to wake Jesus to, to end the storm, which is what mm-hmm. I was doing on my bed. Lord, end it. I was trying to wake up Jesus. What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Stop what's happening in my life. We all do that. But I realized, too, the disciples missed an opportunity that we also miss. They missed the opportunity to rest with Jesus instead of wake him. They missed the opportunity to just to just wrestle. Maybe that's the faith that Jesus wanted, where he was just like, you don't ask me to stop the storm. You just come and get alongside with me and just let me cover you. Just come and rest. Because if Jesus can find peace in the storm, I feel like we should be able to find it too. And so it's like, I wonder sometimes if Jesus is saying, stop begging for the miracle so much. It's, it's fine to ask, but, but don't get so hung up on it. Come rest with me. Come, come, let me be your refuge. Come and just sleep with me. I'll hold you through this. I'll take care of you through this. And so I think even in my life, it was like, Lord, how do I stop? Instead of seeking rescue from the Lord, how do I begin to seek refuge with the Lord in times of suffering? And I feel like that's a question that we kind of all have to ask ourselves when things just keep going. Let's not wake up. Let's try. How do I rest with them? How do I trust you and surrender to what you're doing in this season? Yeah. 
Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's something that, and that is a process, right? I mean, that is something that I have personally wrestled through for many years and, and just that surrender. You know, I think sometimes when things just get so bad, we just don't know what to do. That's when we finally are like, okay, open hands, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm given over, I surrender. And, you know, I think sometimes people think surrender is, you know, or our culture says surrendering is kind of an act of weakness. I think it's an act of strength and bravery. I'm just saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to bravely and courageously give this over. That's hard to do. Oh, it's so hard. It is, it is the hardest thing. And it's even harder not to take it back once you do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wait like, a second, I'll, I, I'll, back. I'll, give you, I'll give you, I'll give you three days, Lord. And then you're going to pay right back if you ain't done something. There. So that's the hardest thing is not to bring that, take that thing right back off the altar. It's it hard. It is hard. It is hard. It is hard. Well, Tiana, you are, gosh, you're such a beautiful person. And I have loved sharing this time with you. I want to just ask you, you know, if there are some books or podcasts or courses or anything that you're doing in your life or participating in that are speaking to you now or that you think might speak to our listeners? Oh, gosh. Um, last year I cocooned as in 2020, we were, we ha- we were home and I had to turn off the news and all that stuff just because everything that was going on. And I dug into the discipline, spiritual disciplines. Um, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton is a book that just changed my life. It mm-hmm. um, was unbelievable. And I feel like it's something that every believer should, should um, get into. I feel like I've been reading The Way of the Heart, I believe, by uh, uh, either Henry Nowen or Thomas Merton. But those, those books where I'm learning about just what does it look like to sit still? What does it look like to sit in solitude? Ruth Haley Barton has a book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership and a podcast that has that that has been so helpful to me. Um, John Mark Comer's book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and his teachings have been so good to settle my soul. Um, I feel like the only way we're going to survive down here is by taking care of our souls and Mm -hmm. constantly positioning them before the Lord. I will teach that until I die. Intimacy with Jesus is your only lifeline. And so I have been, I have been investing in so many of these books, The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg, Soul Keeper, I think by John Ortberg as well. There's just been a few books that have just been amazing um, that have just really, really helped me to sit still and um and just listen for the lord and take care of my soul and the times it's in these crazy times and it's getting crazier so i feel like um this is something that that needs to become a staple in every believer's life is discipline solitude silence sabbath um bible study all those things so yeah those have been some of the um, resources that i've been um that have been helping me for the past year yeah, I think that those speak to me, and I think that I, I, I think it's like you have to shore up your strength, right? And you yeah. get that through the through those rhythms and through the solitude and the silence, so we can listen. Yeah, yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. And you shared with me as we were getting ready for the podcast about um, kind of a, a, some classes or groups that your church is hosting. Do you want to tell people about yes. that too? Yes, 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 yes. You know, I think as we talked about, obviously, conversations is a, is a way to start. And a lot mm-hmm. of people, especially my uh, white brothers and sisters, don't know how to have these conversations or even where to begin. And there's 
there's such grace with that. And so I feel like our church, um, my church fellowship church in, um, under the, the leadership of pastor Albert Tate, um, we have a racial reconciliation center at our church where we have these conversations and we bring our multi-ethnic church together around tables and we we walk through these things, these topics. So we're doing um, table talks and they are virtual. We had over 500 people from all over the country join these table talks. You meet once a week for five weeks or maybe some meet a little longer. You choose your topic and you walk with these group of people virtually over the next five weeks. Um, diving into discussions and having discussions on race led by pastors and some by therapists and by people who have been trained in this area to facilitate healthy conversation on race. So if you're interested in that, um, um, I'm going to, my church is madeforfellowship.com, madeforfellowship.com. And, um, there, and you can go find a, the racial reconciliation um, table talks. They actually, I believe, start next week. So you can um, register between now and then. And um, Made, for Rec- Made for Reconciliation is their Instagram. And then okay. our church's Instagram is Made for Fellowship. Right. So, um, so yeah, those are just something that you can get and in, get involved in if you want to start having the conversation. Yeah. And we'll link those in our show notes too, for the listeners. So, so this is the HeartStrong podcast and, you know, we're all about growing through the challenges of our lives and our times. And we've talked about so many of those ways that you do that and that we can do that. But just in closing, can you tell us, you know, something in your life that helps you to live HeartStrong as you kind of go forth? Something that helps me to live HeartStrong. Um, Honestly, I feel like in this season, it is, like I talked about, silence and solitude. It has been um, a game changer for me. Silence, solitude, and journaling. Um, I feel like there's so always so many feelings to feel, and we can easily bypass them or ignore them. But when I sit in silence and I sit in solitude and I'm with my journal, I'm able to bring all those things before the Lord. And so those things have been... Um, game changers in my life, learning how to do them and growing in them have actually absolutely sustained my soul and helped my heart in ways I can't even fully describe. Mm. And I echo that. Those have been my things this year too. So Mm. I totally know where you're coming from. Well, thank you, Tiana, for joining me and for being so honest and open and for sharing yourself with us today. It's been a really beautiful conversation and I just thoroughly have enjoyed getting to know you. I've loved being here. Thank you so much, Jessica, just for the invite to have the conversation and for being willing to have the conversation. I just bless you, your listeners. um, Loved every minute of it. Thank you so much to our guest, Tiana Spencer, for joining me today on the HeartStrong Podcast. You can find out more about Tiana by visiting her website at tianaspencer.com. That's T I A N A. S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. There you can find all the up-to-date information about Tiana's speaking engagements, listen to her sermons, and read her articles. We'll also link Tiana's Instagram handle in our show notes so that you can follow her there too. And do me a favor, share this episode with a friend and give them some inspiration for their week. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and be sure to subscribe. And a super special thank you to our producer, Allison Cohen, and our sound engineer, Jared McCammon. Join us next week here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Mm-hmm.